are Locked on Wild, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your Minnesota Wild every day. Hello, I'm your host, Joe Booley of ZoneCoverage.com, and Tony Abbott is with me of The Athletic Minnesota. Tony, did you see former Minnesota Viking and Seattle Seahawk guard? Uh, the, did you see the video of... Um, of uh, Steve Hutchinson? Steve Hutchinson getting into the, getting the announcement of the Hall of Fame. I did not. Was it good? Uh, it was pretty awesome, I think. Like, it's not something you normally see. Like, these guys... Oftentimes during their career, well, you know, they always talk about how they, they, you know, they're, they're just there to win. They want the team to win, that kind of thing. They're team guys for the most part. Or yeah. that they give off. But, you know, when they're retired and, you know, it, they're up to get in the Hall of Fame, it was kind of nice to see it from the inside. Not, I think it was, his, it was his son from inside the hotel room that uh, was kind of videotaping the moment when, they knocked on his hotel room door to let him know that he was going to Canton. And I thought that was a really awesome moment because you could see how emotional he was. And I mean, he gave, uh, I don't even know who the guy was that came to the hotel room to kind of announce it, but it was somebody obviously from the hall of fame congratulating him. And he just like was emotional about it and gave the guy a hug. And I just think it was kind of cool to see kind of from the inside of that moment because we don't normally get to see that. Yeah, no, that that's really cool. Is he going to go in as a Viking then, or does that not work in, that way in football? I think pro football, you don't go, you don't have like a hat to go in with or anything like that. Okay, so you, there's you're, not. You're just enshrined, and and that's good because he really deserves it. He had a he had a really uh, he had a really good career for the the. Uh, I know the Seahawks before the Vikings, but he mm-hmm. was really good for the Vikings. And geez, they, they sure could have used someone like Steve Hutchinson this year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. maybe, maybe uh, five of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and one guy that, and one of them that can actually play center too. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy how that is. But I just thought it was a really cool uh, moment to see from the inside because, I, like I said, we just normally don't get to see that, and uh, how much it actually means to some of these guys that uh, that their name is being recognized for pretty much eternity now in uh, in the pro football or just any Hall of Fame, really. It's kind of weird that Minnesota has been around just to bring this back to the wild. Uh, Minnesota's been around for 20 years, and, and they, just, they, they don't have anyone who is going to the Hall of Fame. Maybe, maybe Stahl. I know, uh, I know Russo wrote an article about uh, mm-hmm. – Stahl's case for and against being in the Hall of Fame, but I think he's the guy who, out of everyone who's who's been on the Wild, at least uh, at least you know for more than one season, has been like an integral part of the Wild. I mean, I I don't know mm-hmm. if like uh, I don't know if like maybe one there might have been somebody who's a one and done that I'm not thinking of right now that uh, that, that came over late in their career. Um, but you don't you don't think that. Uh... That Marion Gabrick might have a chance. I don't think so. Okay. Do you? I I don't really know how his numbers stack up, but I think that if there's one through and through wild player, he's kind of maybe the guy that would probably stand the best chance. I just don't think he was. I know he ended up playing a thousand games, but I don't know if he was healthy enough in his prime to put up the kind of numbers that would sure. land him in the Hall of Fame. I think for uh, for all of his goal scoring prowess and. Oh man, it was you know Marion Gabrick might have been what what do you think the the second best goal scorer in the league at one point? 
Especially what was it that 2005 2006 season? Uh yeah, was, uh, he had 38 no. goals in in 65 games. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, cuz it was 0405 that I believe was the lockout lost season. So yeah, uh God, it had to have been either bookend on either side of that uh, that lockout season where he was he was really really good and then um maybe even the division uh, the northwest division title season that uh that year was that 07 08 maybe yeah he had 42 goals that year yeah he was damn good that year too yeah when you look uh, at his when you look at the four years post lockout uh, and uh, in one of those years, he had 48 games. Another one, he had 65. And, and one more, he had 17 games. So it's not like, it's not so, you know, much in the health department. But that's what I'm getting at. He was uh, he was almost at a 50-goal pace over yeah. an 82-game season for that entire period. So, like, mm-hmm. incredible player, really good goal scorer. And, and uh, before Ovechkin, you might even have had a, a case for him being the best goal scorer in the league. After Ovechkin, of course, that... Yeah. That's that's Ovechkin, um, but I I don't think that that adds up to being enough to uh, to be enshrined in the Hall of Fame. Unfortunately, because he was a great player, he uh, he should have won the Conn Smythe one year. I think that would have bolstered his case, mm-hmm. but he didn't. Right? Um, yeah. Uh, what do you think of Stahl for the Hall of Fame? I think that it's going to be close. He'd have to really get the benefit of some voting, but uh, I can I can see that you can make a case for him to be in there. I just I wonder if it's really enough. Mm-hmm. I I think he's more Hall of Very Good for me, and okay. maybe that's not. I don't know. I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a popular thing to say. <laughs> not. I because I, like I don't. I think a lot of people do. Uh, realize that it's close, and he's been he's been good throughout his career. I think he's only been top five for heart voting once and he finished fourth. So I like not, I, I guess, I guess I want to see out of my hall of famers, like a major award or either a major award or, you know, you were at least a finalist multiple times. Right. Okay. And I don't know if, I don't know if Stahl was ever that the the voting has certainly said Stahl's never been that guy. What's your take on team Hall of Fames? You know, the the Vikings have kind of their Ring of Honor. The the Twins have a Twins Hall of Fame. Justin Morneau just got into the Twins Hall of Fame this year. You mean do I, think, I like the concept? Yeah, do you like the concept? Or do yeah, you think, I do. Okay, I think it's I think it's good for fans to uh, to honor. Uh, fans and the teams to honor their players and their history. I think that's a good way to uh to go about it because, you know, like Miko Koivu's not going to make the Hall of Fame. Well, okay, well who's going to remember Miko Koivu then? Like I think that is up to the teams and I think that's an important thing to do uh to preserve their history if 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 nothing else. Yeah, okay. I do you just, not like uh, it. Well, I think it's I think it's kind of weird in the same time. Like I think it's a good idea, but like if you go to like Yankee Stadium, you know, their their guys in their Yankee Hall of Fame are basically Hall of real actual baseball Hall of Famers. Yeah. Um, 
I do think it's a good way to honor a player without having to retire their jersey. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do you like retired I guess, numbers? I, guess, I don't mind the retired numbers, but I think it really has to be like a a franchise, my you know, like a transformational type of player. I would agree with that. Um. So, like, like I really. Th- like Koivu, I don't see his number getting retired. Or I, I wouldn't retire his number. Ooh, I think it's definitely getting retired. And I, I think there's in... I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I, I think there's enough there for what he did for as long as he did it and how underappreciated that was around okay. the league. Like, he definitely should have been a Selkie winner. Uh, probably multiple times. Like, I, I think, like, he didn't win those major awards, but I think he should have won those major awards. Okay. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I get, I get what you're saying, like, when you look at the, uh, when you look at the case from a, a numbers perspective, um, you know, it, it, it might not add up, but I think what he meant to the team, uh, for as long as he did, like, especially, like, through... You know, the lean years. Remember, like, some of his best years were, were years where the Wild just had nothing around him, too. I agree, yeah. Um, so And I, Todd Richards as his head coach. And Todd Richards as his head coach. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be upset or anything like that when uh, when they retire his number. And I, you know what, I, I'll, in fact, I'll, I'll say it, I'll say it. I, I disagree with you, Joe. I think he'll deserve it. <laughs> okay. All right, I think it's a good time to get into our first break. And when we come back, we're going to get into kind of the notion after that Boston Bruins shellacking uh, about the need for the Minnesota Wild to sell and uh, and to not really mess around with this trade deadline. So uh, we'll get into that right on the other side of this break. You're listening to Locked on Wild. And welcome back to Locked on Wild. Uh, just a reminder, you can always get a hold of us, get and interact with the show via Twitter. Just search at Locked on Wild, or you can send your emails to our inbox. Uh, just go to LockedOnWild at gmail.com. Tony, the Wild need to sell, right? Yeah, I went on a rant on this last night at, uh, when when Minnesota was down. I think they were down just three to one at the time, but uh, but it definitely got worse. It got worse fast. Actually, I, I, they might have been buried by the time I tweeted it out. But yeah. uh, whether whether it, they were down three nothing or six to one, um, it looked real bad. And I think if it showed anything, it was that Minnesota's just not ready to compete with any of these teams. It yeah, it's it's pretty glaring how big the gap is. I mean, even if the Wild played with the Bruins for the most part in that first period and were only down one nothing, they have so many glaring issues regarding special teams uh, and goaltending and just being able to ice a decent second-line center uh, because they had Victor Rask there. Um, there's a lot going on with this team that needs to happen, and rather than try to owe it to these players to show them what they can do. I think that the, it's pretty glaring that this team just um, isn't of that upper echelon to really, even if they sneak into an eight seed, it's not going to lead very far. Yeah. So what I, what I said last night was, you know, if you, if the goal is to win a cup, which it is right. Absolutely. 
So you're going to have to play Boston in the finals. You're going to have to play, even if you don't play Boston, you're going to have to play, what, Washington, Pittsburgh, Tampa. And they haven't played Pittsburgh, like, at all real well in, in seems like, years. Toronto, maybe. Like, I guess they play the Lightning decently. Yeah, they do. But... Like, like they, they haven't played Pittsburgh well in years. They haven't played Washington well in years. Uh, for whatever reason, they, uh, they, they can't play Toronto well. Uh, so, like, what, four out of the five teams that are, that are most likely to go to a cup, you would think, uh, Minnesota is absolutely horrible at. And then, that's not even counting, like, having to get there, right? Mm-hmm. Not only do you have to make up the seven-point gap between Arizona and Hopping over teams like Nashville, Winnipeg, Chicago, uh, and to to to, to even get there, Who battling Calgary the- and battling the Vegas Golden Knights for the wild card. I mean, there's it's more than just the division. Even mm-hmm. you're gonna have to face St. Louis in the first round, and this is not a team I think that uh, that is gonna compete against St. Louis. Now in the uh, in the first round, uh, you advance past that. Uh, Dallas, like sometimes, uh, sometimes Minnesota gets one on their goalies, but sometimes even that doesn't matter. Colorado, uh, we've seen Colorado just blow Minnesota out of the water. So you're gonna have to face two, at least one, maybe two. And geez, like if Vegas gets out of the 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 Pacific into the into the conference finals. Maybe even three teams that are as good or or close to the level of any of those teams that are going to come out of the Western Conference in order to get there. Mm-hmm. Like th- this team has no chance. They could win. They could win their next five games, and it shouldn't matter to uh, to Garen at all. Like the the gap is too big. He's seen it on a night to night basis that yep. you know you go against elite teams with uh with this wild team and like maybe they can maybe they can sneak one through, but man, there there's there's just nothing to be gained because you're not gonna win. No, and I don't agree with the idea that you know, after fifty games of the season that the the next I don't know, 14 games or so before the deadline. I don't even think it's 14, but say say 10 or 12 games before the uh, the trade deadline. That that much of a sample size is really going to do much to sway the overall opinion of this team, which they need to sell. They need to get as many um, as many picks and prospects and whatever they can get for for players and, and get them into this organization because. If they do it right, they could keep the rebuild to relatively short, but you can't rebuild if you're going to just continue with the status quo. Yeah, and that's the thing. You don't want to lock yourself into that. And, like, if you get, like, the only thing you can do over these next 10 games is get tricked. Right? Like, yeah. you're, you're not going to show anything that's going to suggest that you're a cup contender. Uh, you just can cross your fingers and hope that Minnesota goes, uh, gets hot goaltending, gets hot shooting like they did earlier this year, uh, and, and wins some games and, and tricks you into thinking that they can make some noise. And they can't. Better versions of this team have tried. 
much better versions of this team have tried and have come away with nothing. What makes this team different? What makes this team special? I would contend, and I'm sorry to say this because it's not a very nice thing to say, but nothing, nothing makes this team different or special. Yeah, I know. I couldn't agree more. I just, I think what's going for this wild, this wild team right now is that even if they do get better performances out of their forwards and stuff like that, this goaltending, and and I think we talked about goaltending on Friday. We talked about it a little bit on the mailbag, you know, Dubnik is certainly having an off year. He's having some struggles at home and that should be deserving of some, some compassion as well. But Alex Daylock is like a career 900 goaltender. Dubnik is, is playing pretty subpar. So unless they're going to bring up Capo Kakinen to try to regain kind of that, that's that hot goaltending that you spoke of, which I still don't even know if it was really that hot. It just was competent enough. It was, mm-hmm. it was basically league average during that 11 game stretch or that 11 point. Yeah. Was it 11 game point streak? Yeah. And if you look at the advanced numbers too, he doesn't look too like, you know, better than the others, I think, but yeah, but not, uh, not super great. Not super great at all. So unless you're going to bring Kakanen up, I don't see how this team, even if they get decent performances from, from forwards actually will go on a run. Uh, at, at no point in the season does Stalock or Dubnik show any some you know real sort of consistency that they can be a player that can get hot for another ten game or twelve game stre- stretch where they're not trading off with each other. Like Stalock might have a shutout and look phenomenal in one game, but the next game he's letting up four goals in the first period for really no reason and. Uh, we've seen it too often throughout his career, Dubnik. Um, we've seen him get hot and go on an amazing run, but that was also, what, five years ago? Yeah, he, he, he probably honestly hasn't had a run like that for two years now. Correct. So it really comes down to is like how likely is that type of situation going to happen? And and it's not like Minnesota is waiting on like a star to get healthy, right? It's not like they right. were struggling where when no, they they're all like a, they're all healthy right now. They're all healthy right now, and and look at uh, look at what this group can accomplish. And like, yeah, you can say like I, I think I think I said it last night, and I think the little bit of uh of pushback that I got on it was that uh was that like okay, well they're playing like crap because Doomnik. Uh, is is playing bad their goaltending's bad mm. and they're not they're not confident so they're not playing well well that might be true but where's your fix there's not a quick fix there and there's not a quick fix for their weakness at center and those no. are two really important positions that you need to be strong at to do anything in the playoffs so if you don't have any quick fixes for that this is an aging team what are you doing like there's nothing there's nothing to hold on to there really isn't. And, uh, you know, and, and like, yeah, they, they were able to mostly play with, with Boston in that first period and for 20 minutes for 20 minutes. But even when, even when the wild were, were playing with them, it didn't matter because their special teams have never been good. This season's penalty kill has been awful. The power play has been atrocious. And, 
that's where games can be decided. And either they need to get a big save or they need to find out a way to, to to get more pucks on net. And they're not doing any of that. So um, they need players that are, that can, can do that. And, uh, and you saw it with how Boston kind of works their power play. I mean, that they're constantly moving around. They switch guys up on where they're at, who's the trigger man is. Uh, And um, it's simply amazing how, uh, how efficient they looked and it, it, regardless of the puck luck, I mean, it was, it was amazing how bad the wild were just in, in special teams. And it seems like they've been like that for years. And it's because they don't have the right personnel. I don't think right now to really be consistent in there. Sometimes they might get on a run where they might score, uh, you know, five power play goals and in, in seven games or something like that. But that's, about the stretch you're ever going to get. And here's here's the last thing that I'll say about it, and I'll, I'll let you have the last word if you want the last word. But when you are looking at this team, if you're Bill Guerin, here's the thing. You owe this team, this group of players, nothing. You had nothing to do with them. You had nothing to do with bringing them in. You had nothing to do with drafting any of them. You had nothing to do with signing any of them. You had nothing to do with building the roster. You've made no promises to anybody in that room you don't owe them a thing this isn't your mess this isn't your responsibility you do not need to sit on this team and give them their sixth or seventh chance at showing that they can do something when they haven't accomplished anything but a couple of second round playoffs uh second round playoff appearances before this team you owe nothing to except for the future of it and as such, like, feel free to just bulldoze what you can down and don't worry about the consequences of any of it because this team isn't going to get it done. Your only job now is to make sure that the next version of the team, the one that you will be responsible for putting together, your job is to make sure that that team is good, not to give any sort of care or thought or mind to what the Wild looked like in 2019 20. Because you already know it. You've seen it for 50 games. And I think for the final thought on this too, like even if Bill Guerin is coming out publicly and saying that he thinks that uh, he owes it to these players to to allow them to show him kind of what they're worth here in the, in the final month here before the deadline, I think that's more of like a play like, hey, I'm trying to show other teams like I do I don't really feel the need to trade, even though I think he knows that he needs to trade. He's, I think he's what he's trying to do is he's trying to get trade value up or at least play that game. Like we're, we're trying to trade from more of a position of power rather than, Hey, we're just completely open for business and uh, we're willing to just give away guys, you know, and, and potentially be fleeced. So I think that no matter what you see publicly from Bill Guerin, I think he should be absolutely in a position uh, and maybe not willing to say it publicly, but in behind closed doors that he knows and and Craig Leopold knows and everybody in that front office knows that this team needs some major changes, not tweaks, not little things here and there. They need to to be sellers at this deadline and even make some more ancillary deals around the draft in the off season as well. Mm-hmm. 
All right, we're going to take another break here, our final break of this show, and uh, we'll get back into it. You're listening to Locked On Wild. Welcome back to Locked On Wild on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can listen to us pretty much wherever, Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, Be sure to check us out. Tell your friends about us as well. Uh, We really appreciate that. Also, leave a review. We love uh, reading those uh, reviews from you guys as well. We love them. We do. Uh, Last segment, we talked about kind of how this team needs to sell, but I think what what drives me nuts on a game-by-game basis, too, is the zone everything. entries. The, the everything. The zone entries would really drive me a little bonkers, especially on the power play, because it seems like what they do, and, and defensive teams on the PK like to do this. They line up all four guys along the blue line to make it kind of impossible to, to for the opposing team to really enter in with any real speed or anything like that. So that's when you know the Wild end up, and, and most teams do this too, but they end up dumping the puck in, doing the dump and chase. Now, what drives me nuts, though, is the crossing the blue line and the immediate drop pass. And this is why it drives me nuts, because here you've got one guy that's that's crossing the blue line with any sort of speed, right? And you've got, I don't know, another four guys that are lined up flat-footed along the blue line waiting to enter the zone uh, after the, um, the puck carrier goes in. Okay, so... Not to mention that all the the uh, defenders for the PK are pretty much lined up there. But uh, the puck carrier, rather than continuing with speed, uh, the moment he sees any little bit of pressure or somebody in front of him, rather than carrying it deep, he does one of two things. Either will curl along the, uh, the dasher boards or he'll do a drop pass to either the winger or the defender that's just – crossing the blue line kind of with them at the same time. And what this is why I don't like this. Mm. One, that person's most likely covered, right? Yeah. Because they're not really moving, or they're just beginning to start moving again after basically standing pat there at the blue line, waiting for the, the team to enter the zone. And so then defenses only, have time to react to that too. Absolutely, they they have time to react to it. But then the, this puck comes back to them, and it's just a hand grenade all of a sudden because they're immediately pressured, and it's in a spot where if it's a turnover, it's out of the zone, and you have to reset. Mm-hmm. Not to mention everybody is already starting to cross the blue line, so you it leads to odd man rushes. It leads to uh, situations where uh, it just kills your offense. And it's those little plays up near the blue line that I see from veteran players, from young players, and it absolutely drives me bonkers because it puts so much pressure on the Minnesota Wild defensemen to play the puck well. And and I'll say that like most of the time, the defensemen are usually pretty good puck players. Uh, I think uh, Jonas Rodin's really good at, at at this. Ryan Suter can be really good. Uh, Matt Dumba to an extent. Um, Carson Susie has really shown some some uh, some ability to to play the puck on the blue line, but the fact that this team runs their offense through the defensemen so much that it becomes like a default thing that even on zone entries they're doing a drop pass or or curling and then passing back to the blue line again to a player that's I don't know three four or five feet away. 
where the player that might have been covering them in the first place and offering pressure is now, oh, well, you gave up the puck. I'm just going to peel off and go to the guy that's four or five feet away that I can get to with no problem and have covered and pressure that player. It just seems like there's a lack of kind of an awareness to to the whole aspect of that. And I just think it kills offense. What's your thoughts? Or a lack of skill. I think that's kind of one of the things that you saw like throughout Chuck Fletcher's entire tenure in, in bringing guys in, right? You brought in the guys with the simple game, the north-south. They get up the ice and, and they shoot the puck. And, and there's less emphasis placed on puck skills, on, on being mm-hmm. able to make a fancy play. And the ability to, you know, when you go into the zone and there are guys there, like, what do you do? Oh, crap. Well, you either have to curl and turn to the defenseman and pass back there, or you have to dump the puck and try to chase it. Um, There's not, you know, very many guys on this team who can go through a defenseman and use their puck skills and skating to get through it. The only one who does it from time to time is Kevin Fiala. Yeah, absolutely. He's one of the few. And Mikhail Granlin before that. mm -hmm. And you can't just have one of those guys on your team at a time and expect to 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 have a power play that can make chicken salad out of chicken uh, chicken <laughs> feathers giblets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 just uh, it's just a lack of, of of puck skills and creativity in the offensive zone, uh, the ability to to get around defenders and like hopefully you know that'll start changing with guys like Kaprizov coming up like. He seems to be a guy who can, uh, you know, he, he he seems to be a guy who can succeed net front like Parise, but unlike Parise, um, he he you know can find soft spots in the zone, can mm-hmm. make a creative pass, can uh, can get around or through defenders. Like the Wild need something like that, and you know it's not uh, it's not surprising that if you don't target those puck skills for a decade that you know you're gonna have an unskilled power play so and i want to before we before we go i do want to bring up a play we talked about the marcus felino smell and luke cunning coming down the slot and that like no look pass yeah you know what made that play lack of deodorant (laughs) you need old spice um no, in, in fairness, in fairness, we do not know how good or bad Luke Cunning does or does not smell. <laughs> no, I know. He could uh, smell like an angel. Maybe Marcus Felino could smell him like he like stank like fresh clean linens or something <laughs> or Springfield. <laughs> Maybe he just picks up on his pheromones, who knows. Um anyways, uh, but the thing that made that play was Marcus Felino brought the puck in down to at least the uh the face off dot right mm-hmm. i mean it was still along the boards but at least he brought it that far in before looking to make a pass backwards it's these little passes that are just inside the blue line or even like when on the on the power play where a player is going to come from out of the corner and skate up the half wall towards the blue line and they've got a follower and they're like, oh, oh crap, I can't do anything. I, I'm stuck against the boards. I'm kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. So they just continue the, the puck back towards the blue line. It just makes it a simple, simple play to, to defend against. And I think that it, it just becomes one of those things where it's like they rely too heavily on their defensemen for their offense where the forwards got to just do more. They, they, just, they just do. 
Well, and it's the same reason why they don't have, you know, four forwards on the power play. The reason why they don't have four forwards on the power play is because they can't ice four forwards on the power play. And every time they try to do that, you know, they try to do that with Pominville. God, for a while they tried to do that with Charlie Coyle at the point. Do you remember oh, that? Oh. Do you remember Charlie Coyle power play point trigger, man? Yeah, that was an experiment that failed mightily and should never have been done again. And the reason why they had to do that is because they just they just don't have forwards skilled enough. And certainly no forwards that are skilled enough to be operating at the power play point. I mean, like, maybe, I don't know if, if I can, like, blanket say that they don't have any, but they certainly don't use them as such. Right. And I guess to me, and, and to bring up this point one more, is just, I feel like they're, these passes are just they're they're low percentage plays. They're easy to defend against, and they they do nothing to help support your teammate. Like if you give them room to make the play, sure they'll make the play. But when it's when there's a defender immediately on them and they still have yet to even receive the pass, or they've got to dig it off the wall, it's 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 a low percentage play, and it, to me it just kills offense. Uh, so. That's that's really my big gripe, just kind of watching the, the Boston game over again and really just kind of for the last, I don't know, decade and a half of this wild team that they do. It seems like that they do that. And it's just a it's it's a real issue with their offense. So I think that's going to do it for this episode. Tony, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Ohio Tony. You can find my work at theathletic.com. You can find me on zonecoverage.com and also uh, at, at JoeBoo15 on Twitter. That'll do it for this episode. And if you liked today's show, please hit subscribe so your device sends it to you every day without having to do any work. Please leave a review and a rating on whatever podcast service you use. You can follow us on Twitter. Just look up at LockedOnWild. You can also get in touch with us via email. Just uh, go to LockedOnWild at gmail.com. Make sure you get those listeners' choice and your mailbag questions in uh, via those two uh, two options, and we really appreciate all of your listening and your interaction with the show. Thank you so much for listening to Locked On Wild, and be sure to check us out every Monday through Friday because, yes, we are a daily podcast. It's one of the great things about this format with Locked On is we are here Monday through Friday for you, talk about all different sorts of things, uh, and are able to react in real time. So check us out every Monday through Friday so that you can stay on top of everything revolving around your Minnesota Wild every day.